Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Second take, a lot better. Take Nathan Stack in here alongside you. Actually, Triple B is here with you, along with my good friend and co-host of this podcast, sports director there at KORN Radio there in Mitchell, none other than Travis Krins. Travis, how are we doing? Good. Something something annoys me this week, or at least today. Uh-oh. What is it? Probably something that happens every time this, this, this time of the year. Happens all the time. Uh, two people I know in particular will remain nameless. Uh, one of them was texting me about the Vikings game. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. And some other person was, was upset about their team and their preseason games. And it's like, I don't, you know, I, you, you can't care about these games. No. Your starters are not playing. I think mean, this, this kind of separates, I don't know, I don't say smart fans from non-smart fans, but it's like, I watched about 10 minutes of the Vikings. I'm like, all right, that's enough. They're not playing anybody. I don't need to see any more. Yep. It's like, you know these guys aren't going to play. These are not starters. These are not guys that are even going to be on the team. Get that through your heads. This team by McGill is a a fairly fun uh, guy, apparently. He has three and a half sacks this season. T.Y. McGill, he's like a defensive tackler or something. He does his uh, standard, like, T.Y. celebration, like, thank you or whatever, so... That, he's fun, but about that's about it. And for, and for folks of other teams, like I, I just ask, okay, what happened last year in the preseason? I have no idea. I couldn't tell you one team the Vikings played in the preseason last year. I have no idea what happened. And you could, for the last two, three years, well, what happened two years ago or three years ago? I don't know because none of it matters because they're just All- – they're just – Scrimmages. They're organized scrimmages yes. for backups and third stringers and undrafted guy. All you have to do is just say, "Hey, remember that year the Lions went 0 and 16? Their preseason record was 4 and 0. So preseason doesn't mean shit. I mean, that's... it doesn't. So I think most most people know that, but then it's just frustrating to have people yeah. that like, "Oh, this happened. Like, who cares? You mm-hmm. lost. It doesn't matter." Yep. The, the Ravens have won what 23, 24 games in a row. Twenty, it's twenty. I think it's twenty three now. Uh, with so I can't the, that. they're usually pretty good. It doesn't mean anything. It's an odd streak. It's some kind of an unbelievable streak. Yeah. It's like enough. Like it, don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Like you watch it. Well, I want to watch it. Fine, but don't complain about anything because none of it matters. So. Exactly. Exactly. Because the Ravens were eight and nine last year. They had a ton of injuries and everything so yeah it doesn't matter but the raven streak is kind of cool it's an oddity in all of this yeah so preseason doesn't matter uh i thought you were going to say and maybe we aren't quite to this uh spot yet in the in the calendar or whatever but uh someone like voting uh like the voting when it comes to high school football ranking and team uh, the, I suppose that'll start this week because Mitchell's first game is this week, correct? Uh, they had preseason polls, so the the smaller schools did start last week. Yes. Yep. Some um, nine nine man pretty much. There was a right? new poll out today. I did not vote in the first one because I I have no idea. Got a general idea in a couple of classes, but I did a game on Friday. I'll do another area game. I think next week I've got one. And then I might do one playoff game, I would imagine, with the non-Mitchell team. Uh, but other than that, I'll never, I'll never see you know any of these teams play. I'll vote in this poll based on reputation and 
and what I know on these teams. But it is kind of ridiculous, uh, just polls in general, because I, I'll, I, I'll see every game Mitchell plays, but I won't see I won't see a single 11A game. I won't see a single 9B or really 9A game. I won't see a single team play in any of those classes all year long. But I'll vote in the poll, and I assume that's what the majority of people don't They'll see what games they see. They may see you know, a few here and there, but you you physically can't watch, you know, even if college football, you can't watch all the teams and all the games. Right. So you're right. voting in polls that are pretty worthless. But Between that, yeah, yeah the, the the polls, like, you know, like you'll drop someone for uh, uh-huh. a couple of spots for losing to a team in a higher-ranked class or something, which it does, just doesn't make a lot of sense. That would be like... Uh, like if SDSU loses to Iowa, uh, week one, and they're like, "Oh, well, you got to drop SDSU from two or three, depending on what poll you're looking at. We got to drop them down to fifth because they lost to Iowa. Like that? What? That doesn't matter. That, that doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. You're losing to I'm an sure, FBS team. I'm sure that will happen. I'm sure they will lose, and I'm sure they will fall at least a spot or two. I did a. I did the nine double A game. Friday, it was number one Howard and number four Hanson. The score was twenty to twelve. The number one team Howard won. It was twenty to twelve. Hanson dropped a spot to five. They dropped from four to five because they lost the number one team in their class by eight points. That does, see, it just doesn't make any sense. That and I mentioned that during the game. I was like, why would you drop this team that played the number one team? Pretty closely, the loss by a touchdown. Yeah, it's a one-possession game. Yeah, it it just doesn't make any sense. It's a one-possession game. Um, But, yeah. yeah. So, Mitchell uh, kicks off their season this week, I presume, correct? Yeah, they play Yankton at home. The team they lost to in the first round of the playoffs last year. What is the season prognosis, the season forecast for Mitchell football this year? Yeah, probably like a four or four and five season, three and six, four and five. Uh, they are fifth in the poll in 11 AA. There's what, 10 teams, 10, 11 teams in AA. So they're in the middle. Peter's number one. They won the last six state titles, five or six, I think. What do they have? Two guys on like the, the preseason magazine or the, the that photo or whatever. They have like two of the nine oh, guys yeah. on there or something. And they got Lincoln Keenholz going to Washington, the quarterback, next year. Yep. Then, then you got three teams in that second tier. It's T, Yankton, and Brookings, and I think they can all beat Pierre, but nobody's done it yet in the playoffs. Um, and then, then, then Mitchell kind of leads that third pack of teams, like Watertown and Aberdeen. So, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, Mitchell's kind of that barometer of if you can beat them, you're good. If you lose to them, you know, they're kind of in that bottom half. So they're kind of that team right in the middle, number five in a, on a 10, 10, 11 team class. So I'm, looking at their ske- I'm looking at their schedule right now. They play Sturgis uh, week two. That's yep. got to be a win. Um, yep. Then they go away to Pier. Why are there a couple of Saturday games? I mean, normally it's you know Friday night lights, high school and stuff. I, I think they do this sometimes for, like, the President's Cup or President's Bowl with the, the, the Sioux Falls schools, but but why the, the back-to-back Saturday games? Is it just for travel purposes, at least for the when it comes to Sturgis? Like, what gives with these Saturday games? 
for Pier, I have no idea. We go to Pier in a couple weeks, which I don't like. I don't, I don't know why that's on a Saturday. Uh, the Sturgis game next week is on a Saturday. It's the Colonel Bowl. Yeah. And that's all we've got on a Saturday. It's usually the – I guess it's the second home game this year, but that first game in September at home, they call it the Colonel Bowl. They've done this for five or six years. Um, just an event, I guess. Just uh, – have something extra. Kind of so, like the yeah, kind of like the SDSU does the beef bowl. Yeah, yeah just something like that. Something extra. They have some extra stuff going on. So that's why those are on Saturdays. But I have no idea why Pier is on a Saturday. And you got Aberdeen Central, Jefferson Spearfish away. I mean, that's going to be a, a daunting uh, road trip there. Home, Watertown and Huron at home. Brookings away. I mean, I mean. You would like to think they could beat the two uh, West River schools, right? Yeah, they'll, they'll beat Sturgis. They should. They should beat Spearfish. Uh, Huron, they'll beat Huron. And then Aberdeen and Watertown, they split those two games last year. Those are two winnable games. So if you win one of those, you're four and five. You know, Pierre's going to be tough. Yankton is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Jefferson is a triple A team. That'll be their first ever time playing them. And then uh, at Brookings on a Thursday night to end the season, that'll be a tough one, but we get to go to go to Dykehouse Stadium, which is extremely nice. Yes, yes, absolutely. Anyone that we kind of should be on the lookout for that could be getting some scholarship offers that maybe from SDSU, other area school, like, like I don't know, Dakota Wesleyan, if they're getting it, but like any potential big-time offers from schools uh, uh, with Mitchell at all? No, they've got a kid named Jager Tyler. He's a receiver. I like to say maybe he's more a running back, but he's a pretty good athlete. And he won a state title in March in wrestling at like 133 or 150 some pounds, I think. So he's a good athlete. Um, I don't know where he's going. I don't think he knows yet. But he can play college somewhere, whether as a wrestler or maybe a football player. Okay. They've got an offensive lineman going to Wayne State, Nebraska. Um, so his name's August Anderson. He's a pretty big kid at six, 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 seven. So yeah, they, they got a couple kids, but nothing, nothing huge. Okay. You know, division two school. Now, speaking of high school, I don't know if you saw this last week, but the Marshall High School football team. Uh, got to go watch uh, a joint practice with the 49ers and the Vikings uh, last week, and it's because Trey Lance, the Vikings actually reached out to Coach uh, uh, Ballman at, at Marshall and uh, actually had uh, sports officiating with him, so I, I think he remembers oh, me. Yeah. I would hope he does. He's a Packers fan, so we'll, we'll give him some slack for that, but uh, or maybe we'll, we'll forgive him for that, but uh, so apparently the Vikings reached out to Coach Ballman and said, hey, uh, we'd like to bust you guys up here for, for practice to see Trey Lance, because Trey Lance is from Marshall, 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 of course. Uh, so they bust them up there. They paid for the transportation. Trey Lance bought them meal, the, their meals, uh, took some, photogra- uh, some photographs, some you know, did some autographs and stuff after the practice. Just really cool, you know, because it's very rare when one of these – and I, I hate that they keep calling Marshall a small town because it's about 13,000. It's a little more. I mean, yes, it's small compared to L.A. or Chicago, but it's not like this is a, fi- a city with a population of 500 or 1,000. Like Marshall's decent size. It's the biggest town in southwest Minnesota. But just really cool that both the Vikings and Lance were able to do this together. Um, 
during that joint session. So good luck to the Tigers this year. Good, uh, begrudgingly good luck to Trey Lance and the 49ers, but we'll talk about the NFL here in a couple of weeks. Um, we talked about, we had our uh, our chat Sunday night, our college football preview. Yourself, myself, uh, Charlie Hildebrand, uh, David Schottenkirk, Marcus Traxler. It's always fun when we when we do these chats and stuff, and we, you know, we, you know, they're few and far between here now, but that's you know because we're all busy and, and whatnot. But when we do these big events, yeah, they're big, and so we had this college football uh, season preview, and I think you know with the with week zero kicking off this week. And we'll make our full predictions next week. We'll go like the the major bowl games. We'll have the the conference championships and whatnot, and and the and the college and the college football playoff picks. But we Owen, we were talking. What surprised you maybe most, like that maybe you hadn't considered, or was there a team that some of us were on more that you're like, yeah, maybe I should get on this team, or maybe look into them a little bit more. Uh, Marcus brought up Houston. They got a pretty easy schedule. They do. Houston, you know, got a really good shot to go undefeated. And if they do, they'll be in the top ten and, you know, be in that playoff mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people like North Carolina State in the ACC. So, you know, their entire defense nearly is back. So, we, I mean, they were pretty good last year. They were 9-3. Mm-hmm. So, Quarterback is back, so we will see about North Carolina State. And then I really like BYU because I like their schedule. Yes. And they got a really good offense. I do too. And it's just a rare thing. Once they go to the Big 12, you know, that's going to change. Yep. And, you know, outside of Notre Dame, we, we don't have these independents that are, you know, worth a damn that can challenge for, for anything notable, but BYU can do it this year with yes. you know, four, four big games. You know, like if they go undefeated, they're going to be in the playoffs because yep. they're going to have four really good wins. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. BYU is certainly a team that I'm looking at here this year. Uh, you you take a look at who they have just in the first month. South, they're at South Florida. That should be a win. I, I mean, South Florida's not that good, but you never know, you know, traveling that far across country, it's going to be hot in Tampa. So you you would think that's a win, but then they have Baylor at home. Baylor, the defending Big 12 champions. Baylor looks like they're ready to run uh run the roost in the in the Big 12 again this year and, and win that conference. Certainly they have to be considered among the favorites with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and perhaps even Texas. Uh and then you're at Oregon, the Ducks Kind of reloading, retooling under a new head coach, but they the recruiting's been really good. Uh, it seems like the energy there with the Ducks and uh, what's it, Outson Stadium or whatever. It's such a difficult place to play. Very loud, uh, and that's just those. That's the just the first three games, and then later on you have a neutral site game October eighth against Notre Dame in Vegas. I mean that's a huge game, and the week after that you have to play Arkansas. Like this is just. It's absolutely loaded. They can get through that October 15th game with one loss even. Um, I mean, then the back half of the schedule is really easy, so there's there can be no letting up. But that first half of the season is w- going to be make or break for BYU in terms of either getting to a college football playoff or uh, getting to a New Year's Six game. 
Yeah, because we, I can maybe get to a big bowl game, but yeah, they have to, they have to go undefeated. They can't lose a game. Because they, no, yeah, they have Baylor, no conference championship game. Baylor and Oregon back-to-back. I mean, if they lose one of those, we can quit, quit talking about them, I guess, for the playoff. But, you know, um, tough, tough schedule. Tough schedule for them, so that's good to see. I mean, I think you're looking at the, the Baylor, the Oregon, Notre Dame, and Arkansas. I would venture to guess that there are not going to be no. Very few teams. There will be very few teams that have four quality wins like the what BYU would have, or even three quality wins against those types of teams. I'm going to say that all four of them are going to be ranked at the end of the year. Um, I I have Notre Dame falling back a bit at nine and three. All, Notre Dame's schedule is difficult this year. They have Ohio State right away. You have BYU in a neutral site. Uh, let's see who else do they have here. Um, Clemson coming to home. They're at USC. That's a that's very difficult for Notre Dame. So maybe Notre Dame could rival that if they get those wins against Ohio State, USC, BYU, and and Clemson. I would say that would maybe rival it just about with anyone. But it's just it's really difficult for an independent. We saw it last year with Cincinnati out of the AAC. But it's you got to have these quality wins, but I would put BYU's up there with just about anyone else in college football this year. Yeah, because you look at teams at the end of the year, and they maybe have beaten three ranked teams mm-hmm. at the end of the season, and, and four is really good. So they've got a shot to shot to do something. We we haven't had a two loss team in there, so mm-hmm. you know it's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to get a two loss uh, team in the fourteen playoffs. So. And it seems, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, it seems impossible that at least two of those teams don't make it. So right. we're only talking about, you know, one or two spots. It's, it's coming down to for the, for the playoff. I mean, people are kind of talking about on the NFL side of the AFC West, you're looking at maybe three teams making the playoffs. Heck, all four could, could realistically or theoretically make the playoffs. In the SEC, I think it's very possible that you could get three teams in. I mean, if, if A&M only has one loss and that's to Alabama and it's close and Alabama runs the table, I think A&M's got a great shot to make it in. Georgia, uh, I mean, they their schedule is fairly easy after that first week against Oregon, but that's a neutral site game in Atlanta. I mean, that's, I mean, oh, the Ducks have to fly all the way cross country and, and Georgia just buses down from Athens. I mean, it's not that difficult for Georgia, but they have a lot, they lost a lot of talent from last year's national championship team, but Georgia's should be right up there with everyone. So you could see, if I were to venture a guess, like Alabama, Georgia, and then I'll throw A&M in there as those three teams from the SEC that have the most realistic shots at making the, the college football playoff. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see three SEC. I don't either, but I'm saying it's, I think there's, there's a chance for that. Yeah, there is. I think A&M will slip up somewhere because I hate them, and they usually do. So, yeah, I, I don't want to see A&M do anything, anything this year. You met, uh, Marcus really high on Houston with the Cougars, and yeah, their schedule is very easy because they don't have to play Cincinnati or UCF. Uh, and I'm really high on UCF. I think Cincinnati takes a step back a little bit, loses a couple of games, 
but I think you know maybe UCF can can do some damage because I think Gus Malzahn is kind of steering them back in the right direction. They're not the high-profile offense that they were under Josh Heupel and and getting that uh, getting them to where they were, but. I do think UCF is a very uh, good team. Uh, Dana Holgerson's Houston Cougars team is very good. But it's really a three-horse race when it comes to the AAC. And I think two teams are going to be either undefeated or have one loss, and then the other team is going to have two losses. I believe the team with two losses is going to be Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, they're a pretty good conference. You know, Cincinnati finally got in, and you know, we like Houston this year, so... Mm-hmm. In some years, they're more viable than the Pac-12 is, I think. Yep. So, I mean, you know, if Cincinnati, they open up in Arkansas, so if they can win that one, that might be their toughest game. So, um, yeah, you got three good teams there, and they're not going to be there for long. So. Nope. Uh, ACC, uh, Clemson, very down year for them last year. Uh, but you know, can uh, DJ Uagale... Uyagale, whatever. Uh, we're, we'll, we have all year to do it again. Um, and he's really, he needs to take that step forward. We saw a glimpse of it as a freshman. He was bad last year. The offense was very bad last year overall for Clemson. But they do have some playmakers. So if they can get Uyagale to uh, excel and make some of those bigger plays that he's capable of, Clemson with that defense is going to be really good. They get NC State at home, and I almost feel like that's kind of the the key in all of this is that it's going to come down to that game as to who is making it to the ACC championship game when Clemson takes on NC State October 1st. There's that. Between, I mean, I like Wake Forest, though. Wake Forest, they had a great year last year, a lot of points. Yep. Hartman so. is – Sam Hartman, though, is uh, – he's – I, he's not suspended, but he has stepped away from football. I, he, at least that was what it was a week or two ago. I don't know if he's been reinstated or, or if he's re-enrolled or what, back with the team. But if Hartman doesn't play, that's a significant uh, hole to fill for the Demon Deacons. Yes. If he can come back, that'd be good because uh, Wake Forest really doesn't have I mean, they play Clemson in their fourth game, so if he can come back for that, that'd be nice. But, yeah, you've got Clemson. Wake Forest and NC State and the Atlantic. I think they're all viable contenders. Yep. And then the Coastal, I don't know, Miami should win this thing. I mean, everybody's talking about Miami. It's it's almost like it's it's Miami. Yeah, isn't it? It's going to take a while to change this thing around here. Isn't it almost Miami's by default because uh, Pitt, and North Carolina are both going to be breaking in new quarterbacks. Uh, 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 Slovis is uh, the quarterback at Pitt. He transferred from USC. So Pitt's got something there, at least. But it's tough to you know replace how good Kenny Pickett was last year. Uh, North Carolina, we'll see what Matt Brown can do uh, with that. Virginia Tech's got new head coach. They're, they're kind of depleted on talent, especially along the lines. Virginia, actually, Virginia's got a decent quarterback who is uh, Brennan Armstrong, but there's not much else around him. Brocko Mendenhall is no longer with the Cavaliers, and then Georgia Tech and Duke are just absolute garbage, like hot garbage. So I don't look at that as a. I, I think this, the coastal is so bad; it's almost we're going to give it to Mario Cristobal in the in the Hurricanes just by default, almost. 
Miami can make some noise there if they, uh, you know, their, their, their tough games are at the end. You know, they got Clemson and Pitt the last two games of the year. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they don't have anything besides A&M week three. And hopefully they can knock off A&M. I'll be rooting hard for Miami in that one. But other than that game, they don't have anything until about Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Their, their schedule is just absolutely um, garbage. Yeah, like you said, yeah. apart from that A and M game, um, yeah, I mean Middle Tennessee, North Carolina. You get North Carolina at home at Virginia Tech. Normally is tough, but I think it's just it's going to be a um, they're going to be setting the the building blocks, the foundation for what Virginia Tech is going to be like moving forward. So I think it's it's a it's good for Miami to get Virginia Tech in Blacksburg this year, while Virginia Tech's trying to get all the pieces together. Because otherwise, in a normal year, under normal circumstances, I believe that would be a loss for the Hurricanes. I think there's a lot of teams that you know could maybe have a season. You know, Miami, mm-hmm. uh, USC, yep. Houston. Yep. You know, they've, got, they've got favorable schedules. It's just a matter of you know you have to go undefeated. That's that's the sucky part and the tough part about it. You know, Cincinnati doesn't get in. Last year, if they don't win all their games, right? And you're you're not an SEC team can get in with one loss. I would say a Big Ten team, Ohio State would probably be the only team that could get in with one loss. Yep. You know, would 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 a Michigan get in if their only loss was to Ohio State or any other team? You know, would Penn State or Michigan say get in if their only loss was to Ohio State? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you have to run the table. Yep. Uh, Big Twelve, and this, we're Oklahoma and Texas are going to be visiting some very hostile environments because it, I think this is their last year in the Big Twelve, or maybe they have one more year left. I think they're still trying to figure out when they're going to the SEC. Right? It's either twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. I think it's yeah, two two years. So, I think they got two more years. Yep. So they're going to face a lot of hostility, and I I would reason to to say I'm going out on a very short limb here and say that no team had as tumultuous of an offseason in a power conference as Oklahoma did considering Lincoln Riley left. You lose Caleb Williams. You lose uh, your wide receiver. You had all these guys leave. And, yes, you get Brett Venables, the defensive coordinator from Clemson, to come in. You do get you do kind of restockpile you know, some of these recruits, but it's not what – it was before. I think Oklahoma fans should definitely keep their expectations low because I see this team having three or four losses at the end of it. It'll be interesting to see what their offense looks like. They bring in a defensive coach to be their head coach. Again, their schedule's not very tough. So, I mean, I can see Oklahoma going 10-2, and 11-1. I think, you know, between them and Baylor and Oklahoma State, I think those are only three, three teams that can win the conference. And I think you know, Oklahoma should start probably 8-0 going into Baylor. So I think Oklahoma, flying under the radar, I think they'll be, they'll be fine. Oklahoma State, very good last year. They almost won the Big 12 last year. They came a half yard away from beating Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. Their defensive coordinator leaves to go to Ohio State. But it was very weird to see Oklahoma State's defense 
be one of the best defenses in the country last year. Spencer Sanders is a very good quarterback for them, so I think you know their defense will maybe regress a little bit, but they do have a playmaker in Sanders at quarterback. I think Oklahoma State will be fine. I think they still factor into this. As you mentioned, it's Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State vying for that Big 12 championship. Uh, Texas good. I kind of like West Virginia this year to be kind of stinky good just because JT Daniels, the former uh, Georgia Bulldog quarterback, has transferred there. I think West Virginia has... It, it's always difficult to fly to Morgantown. Uh, just the, the travel, it's just difficult for Big 12 teams. So I like West Virginia to maybe be 8-4 and four in that in that neighborhood, potentially. I think maybe that's their ceiling. But overall, I think you, even Kansas is going to be vastly improved this year, I think. They're far more competitive than what we saw. They, they almost beat Oklahoma last year. So... This the Big Twelve. I think Iowa State takes a step back because they've lost a lot of talent. You know, Brock Purdy leaves, Brees Hall leaves. I just I think you're going to see a couple of these teams have to take a step back and let the the youth uh, get uh, get a little time on the playing field and get acclimated. And I think it will be beneficial in the long haul. But this year, teams like uh, like Iowa State might take a step back. I want to see if anybody, you know, those three teams we mentioned, can anybody beat them except those three teams? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, they'll beat up on each other. Did any other team beat one of them? Or is their only losses going to come to each other? Kansas, Kansas winning more than two. They got Duke and they got Tennessee Tech. I mean, can they beat Iowa State? Can they beat TCU? Yes. I think yes to all of that. I, I I'm I gave Kansas five wins because I snuck a win in for them against Texas. Do I really think that's going to happen? No. But Kansas has won the last two games against Texas. So until Texas beats them, I'll give Kansas that that win there. I actually have it set up where Kansas and Kansas State are playing no, November twenty sixth, the last week of the regular season, for a bowl berth. The sun, the bad, like the the sunflower state battle or whatever. They call it, I have that for a bowl berth. I'm giving it to Kansas State, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, it would just be fun for Kansas to be relevant again. I've got Kansas winning two games. Uh, so it's against Tennessee Tech and Duke, I'm guessing. Yes. They okay. might win one conference game, so they'll give them three, but I'll go two and ten. Okay. Uh, so that's the, the Big 12 then. Big 10. Uh, this is the Ohio State Revenge Tour, uh, certainly when they're playing Michigan this year. C.J. Stroud, I was so impressed watching the Rose Bowl last year, and you know that they had some guys out, and you have this Marvin Harrison Jr. stepping up big. Uh, who, who's the other guy? Jackson Smith uh, in, in Jigba. Or I'm, I just butchered that name, so I apologize to Jackson Smith uh, in Jigba there, but like they... Ohio State's got so many talented weapons. I it's just going to be so you know Trayvon Henderson or Travion Henderson at running back. Their defense set them held them back last year. If that improves even a little bit, Ohio State I think just blow like they just cruise through their schedule. I think Ohio State's going to be undefeated. Yeah, they they should do pretty well. Offense, quarterback, receivers. Um, that Rose Bowl, them in Utah, that was a pretty good game. Yes. Yep. I think they just slaughtered Notre Dame. 
it seems like we always have those that that first game of the year. There's a couple of them that stick out. Alabama and USC was one a couple years ago, or maybe it was that last year. Which one? Alabama USC. Let me. Yeah, a few years ago, like big names, but they never deliver. I can't remember like the last one of those games, like the premier game on the opening weekend where it delivered. And it was just a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson and Georgia, just nothing happened. Um, you know, was it was a 10-3 or whatever it was. Yep. Nothing happened in that game. And so you've got this, this Notre Dame-Ohio State game, a top-five matchup. And Notre Dame's quarterback, I don't know who it is, so we'll see how good he is. But I, I just see Ohio State winning that game by, like, 30 points. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're – Home against Wisconsin, they'll cream them. Yep. You know, at, at Michigan State, you never know what can happen there. Then they'll beat Michigan. So I think Michigan I guess, State. I guess the big game for me is at Michigan State. Otherwise, they had everybody else at home, and yeah, I mean they should they should be undefeated. I mean between yeah between them and Alabama, you feel like oh yeah, Ohio State lost to Michigan. That'll piss them off. Alabama didn't win. God forbid Alabama didn't win a national title. They'll be really mad this year, and uh, people think they should run the table. So, yeah, between Alabama and Ohio State. Michigan State, I think, it was surprised a lot of people last year. And I think Sparty takes – they're not going to necessarily take a step back, but I don't think they're going to be quite as good as they were last year in making it to a Peach Bowl Appearance. I have Sparty at where do I have him at? I have him at eight and four. I have him losing at Washington. That might not happen, but you know, I think Washington, uh, Kalen DeBoer, uh, you know, the South Dakota ties his high octane offense at Fresno State. I think he's going to. I mean, South Dakota people are going to be wanting to watch Washington here once the the Peer quarterback goes there. Um, I just think maybe that Washington game could be a tricky one for Michigan State, and maybe they win it. I think that I really think they're probably going to be eight and four, nine and three, ten and two is more than like is their ceiling, Michigan State. But I don't see that happening. I just think they might they might just take a small step back, but they'll still be very competitive. It's not like this is going to be a, a the start of a downward uh, spiral for the program. Yeah, that was pretty good. Mel Tucker did good in his first year. Yep. I'm going to say we had a lot of some in our chat last night. We had had some shockers like Marcus taking uh, USC and Minnesota to the to the Rose Bowl. Yes. And all, quite yes. how serious he is on that. I think his I, I think his heart I was doing that more. Was doing the talking yeah. more than his brain. <laughs> Well, you know, USC could maybe get there, but Minnesota's not. Nope. Uh, you know, John Kirk does not like Wisconsin uh, this year, or really Iowa. And those are the top two teams in the West. Um, I guess I'm going to go with Purdue to win the West. Yeah, that that's a great pick. I was, I have a in the in the West. I have a three way tie for first place between Iowa, Wisconsin. And Nebraska, I have them all. In fact, do I have Minnesota in there too? Let, let, let's see. Where, where uh, do they I have a four-way like tie? Nebraska a lot. They get them to win the, win that division. So let's see. Uh, Minnesota. Yes, I have Minnesota, Purdue, Iowa, and Wisconsin all at nine and three. And through a, a crazy tiebreaker, I have Wisconsin winning. 
or scouts in Iowa. So, oh, yeah, I just hope it's something new. I don't want to see Wisconsin or Iowa in there. Yep. So, I mean, yeah. Purdue, were, Purdue was 9-4 and four last year. Yep. I mean, they lost uh, Notre Dame. They lost to Wisconsin and Ohio State. They also lost to the Gophers. Uh, they beat they beat Tennessee in the Music City Bowl in overtime, a lot of points. Yep. So they got a big time offense. So I like I like Kentucky in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I like uh, you know BYU. We'll keep tabs on them. Um, I picked USC to go a ways, and I guess Purdue Purdue would be my Big Ten team. I, they they, they got they, they they host Penn State. Yep. Next week, if they can win that one. You know, they should be potentially 6-7-0. Yep, I have them beating Penn State. I have Purdue's three losses I have at Minnesota, at Maryland, and at Wisconsin. And really, they could win two of those three games easily. I mean, heck, they could win all three of them. Uh, I really... Maryland is kind of like West Virginia is the team I'm kind of keeping an eye on in the Big 12. Again, not to compete for a, a championship, but better than maybe some of the experts are saying... I like Maryland a lot this year. Talua Tagovailoa is their quarterback. He's Tua's brother. Uh, Mike Loxley has built a has built them to be a competitive team. Unfortunately, they're in the East with Ohio State and Michigan and Sparty and even Penn State. You know what? Uh, Sean Clifford is is still quarterbacking Penn State for what seems like the the tenth year in a row. But I think Penn State's not going to be very good this year. So I kind of like Maryland to be that fourth best team in that division. Uh, maybe uh, being competitive with Sparty for that third spot. So w- watch out for Maryland. Maryland's kind of my surprise team in the Big Ten this year. You like Maryland and West Virginia? Yes. Yeah. Yep. But not to again, not to win the di- not to win the divisions, not to win the conference, but just to be a little bit better and make things interesting and maybe make a few teams sweat. Well, yeah, I liked Indiana a lot last year. They kind of disappointed. So yeah. Yeah, I think Indiana will take a step back. Yep, I think Minnesota, I'm, I'm more optimistic with them than I should be, but uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, we'll see how, um, you know, your Purdue Boilermakers turn out. Iowa has no offense. Wisconsin doesn't have a better off, uh, much better offense than Iowa. There's a lot. To, uh, I'm not high on Charlie's Huskers. I'm finishing 5-7, and seven. No, not bowl eligible. That last four games for Nebraska, looking at their schedule, holy cow, that is... The, the most winnable game in Nebraska's no, stretch in November is Minnesota at home November 5th, and that's a difficult game. Their last four, home to Minnesota on November 5th, at Michigan November 12th, home to Wisconsin November 19th, at Iowa November 25th. Now, if we're looking at four teams in college football, yeah, it's not that difficult. But for Nebraska, that's difficult. They should have beat Michigan last year. You know, they, they almost beat Oklahoma, uh, which is one of the, the shockers of all shockers to be in that Oklahoma game. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they should. You know, they, they should be five and one going at Purdue. So that could be a sneaky good game, October fifteenth, middle of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue and Nebraska. You know, they, they they might both be ranked if they they can win the games they're supposed to. So it'll be a factor in who um, wins that division. Well, once once Nebraska gets to November, they better have six wins because if they don't, yep. uh, they're not getting it. You know, yep. Gophers at home, you can win that. I don't 
don't see him winning any other game. But that's Michigan, the most Wisconsin, that's, and Iowa. No. That's the most winnable game of that stretch in November. And even that game is difficult because I think Minnesota is going to be awfully good this year. They need to be six and three. They need to be six yep. and three at uh, you know with three games left. If they're not, that's going to be tough. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Pac-12. I believe this is the last year that the Pac-12 and the ACC are doing divisions, if I recall correctly. I, th- certainly- I, thought, you know, I thought I was wish you were going to say this would be the last year of the Pac-12. Yeah, <laughs> almost. It's almost the last year of the Pac-12. Um, by the way, that big that the Big Ten did announce their media deal, uh, and there is no ESPN. So uh, what what they did is just is fantastic. I, um, they have Fox as the primary, and they'll have a CBS game. So the SEC to CBS is moving to the Big Ten on CBS. Three, same window, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Then you have uh, NBC with a late-night game in there. Again, Fox is primary, but I love how they're able to stack games in each of those major time windows. So you know the Big, the Big Ten has a game guaranteed in all three of those windows throughout the day. That's huge. That's a huge advantage for the Big Ten. I was going to mention last night, does the Big Ten, you know, they'll add some teams here. I guess, you know, Oregon, Oregon's looking at the Big Ten. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, by this time next year we're talking Oregon, Washington, and Stanford going to the Pac-12, or going to the Big Ten, because I don't see USC and UCLA being the only west coast teams in that conference that just isn't going to work out well do you i i would agree with that and i like the fact that notre dame or that nbc is getting a part of the big 10 to maybe offset like it's not they're expanding their portfolio uh, so it's not just notre dame but in the event that notre dame decides to join a conference the big 10 is the most likely conference that they would join so i like nbc going in there However, I would caution, like, I read an article last week in Sports Illustrated about uh, the California Board of Regents and Governor Gavin Newsom uh, among them saying, hey, UCLA to the Big Ten is not a done deal. They could block this uh, because UCLA didn't give them apt uh, notice of, of that they were leaving. They're part of the state school system. So while it... It, I think UCLA will ultimately prevail and go on. It's by no means a done deal yet. It's like it's a good deal for UCLA because they get more money, and the Pac-12 is on their deathbed. But the but the the state could stop that from happening. I guess it's like what are they going to do though? Like all right, we're going to go here. What are you going to do? You're going to tie us up in court? You're going to make us stay? It's like we're we're moving. Like what do you? You know, I'm sure California wants them to stay and. Mm-hmm. Play all the other California schools, but it's like whatever. Just let them go. You know, did did Oklahoma? I guess you know, did Oklahoma and, and Texas? Did they try to stop those teams from moving to the SEC? No. So I don't. Know, I think it's a waste of time. But you know, I mean, the big the Big Ten's going to add some teams here. Yep. But do, do do they have three marquee games every week to fill these spots? Because I'm sure you know CBS at two thirty is these spots. And I'm sure NBC, uh, they want a good game, and Fox wants a good game at 11. And if, if Ohio State isn't in there, or if, you know, you got Michigan, Michigan State, 
Penn State, like, I don't give a shit about Wisconsin. We don't give a shit about Iowa. Mm-hmm. USC will be in there. But if the game doesn't involve, you know, Ohio State or, or Michigan or, you know. If Nebraska <laughs> became relevant again and competitive, then I think Nebraska would be a team that yeah, would, like, would be a marquee window, you know, to put in that late afternoon or the evening there. But they got to get back to that point. And, I know, I think, you know, so many times schools hype tradition or like the past. Like, look at how relevant we were back then. Yeah, but you aren't relevant now. And so we can look at, at Nebraska's glory years and how, you know, Coach Osborne, what he did there. But Nebraska today isn't relevant to these, eight, these 18, 19-year-olds who, who weren't born the last time Nebraska was remotely good. Or maybe they were just born when they lost to Miami in the national championship game. I mean, that's, it's just a reality that Nebraska hasn't been that good since then. And I'm sorry to okay, say that with so Charlie, random week. Let's take a look at week four, September 24th. Uh, the big game that week would be Ohio State and Wisconsin. That'll be an ABC game, time to be determined. So, yeah, that's a legitimate game. Yep. Other than that, you've got Minnesota and Michigan State. It's going to be good for the Gophers. They might get some, you know, Gophers are not usually on, you know, they weren't usually on ABC. Right, right. Other than, I mean, Iowa Rutgers, no. Uh, Michigan, Maryland, no. Other than that, you have a bunch of non-conference games on, you know, week four. Let's mm-hmm. go to week seven, a random week. You've got... Well, you've only got, I guess, five conference games that week. Michigan and Penn State, okay. Wisconsin and Michigan State, fine. Nebraska at Purdue, which I like. Yep. That's it. We've got Maryland and Indiana and then Minnesota and Illinois. I, I just question three games on network television. USC will help with that. Yep. And I guess UCLA. But... At the present moment, they don't have three network quality games. And I, you're right. And I do think that Nordor, or that NBC won't have night games, game. like a Big Ten night game every week. I think they will have six to, you know, or maybe like eight to ten sprinkled. Because Notre Dame is still going to be in prime time a few times, I think. So I don't oh. think the that the Big Ten will have a... A game necessarily on NBC at night every Saturday. That's not how I read it, but certainly CBS and CBS and Fox are the main two in this, and then NBC kind of gets the leftovers, more or less. Well, maybe seven or eight games. That's what I th- I, th- I think. If I read that correctly, they were. Um, I'd have to pull up the. Okay, here here's the here's the deal here. I'm pulling this up. Fourteen games, I guess. So that's I mean that seems like it's every week. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to pull up the. And, 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 so games on Peacock, which will be streamed at the same time, but NBC will produce fourteen to sixteen Big Ten games every year. Yep. So uh, to me, that sounds like that's an every week thing. But then, what do you sure. do with Notre Dame? Because sometimes they'll play. Play a home game at night. Yep. I don't know. And then the uh, the Big Ten championship games are going to move around too. So. Yes. Yep. 
Yep, uh, it'll be on Fox this year, 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029. CBS will have it in 2024 and 2028, and then NBC in 2026. So again, it just seems like NBC is, out of the three partners in this deal, NBC is certainly on the uh, the lowest of the three. The primary ones are Fox and CBS. And, you know, I mean, you would maybe expect the SEC to have this type of a deal, but I think the Big Ten has gotten the best of the SEC when it comes to this. Well, yeah, unless ESPN is shelling out much more, a lot more money to the SEC than what the Big Ten is going to make out, wow. of, out of these deals, I don't know, but, like, that that's really all that the SEC has because they're – they're saying, no, no, thank you, CBS. We got this. So, uh, it, I mean, ESPN, of course, created the SEC network. They already have the ACC network as well. So ESPN is essentially in bed with SEC at, with the SEC at this point. And well, I guess ESPN is going to pay about $300 million a year. Uh, they were getting, I guess, $55 million from CBS. So that's, what, six, five, six times more? Yep. Unless people are going to watch your games. But, yeah, and you get, and then you get the Big Ten. I mean, they get, they're getting a billion dollars. And the SEC is just getting $300 million, uh from them. So, well, you think of the media markets as well. And now, granted, the, the SEC, when you think college football, you think the SEC. I mean, that's the power conference. It's got every, like it's got all the the schools, the the the, the teams, the, the the teams that people cheer for around the country. But if you're looking at major markets, what's the biggest market that the SEC has? Atlanta. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of that with college towns. I mean. It's People not, are going to watch these games regardless of, you know. It's, it's not a huge deal, but, you know, the but now Fox and Big Ten, or Fox and CBS have rights to Minneapolis, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what did you say? I'm sorry? Los Angeles. Yes, yes, Los Angeles. So they have this huge they have the huge markets heck they have even the new york area if you really want to count like rutgers in there or uh you know baltimore with maryland or you know dc with maryland they have the major media markets it's now whether or not the 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 teams themselves have the the, the backing of the fans and that the that the viewership will translate we know it does in the sec but in terms of the media markets the big 10 has certainly raised their profile considerably sec is going to get three billion dollars from espn for 10 years or the big 10's getting seven billion for seven years so they're getting twice the money more than twice the money in three fewer years yeah to, to keep pace with the sec i think the big 10 just knocked it out of the park yep Yep, it's a checkmate. That's what it is. Uh, and it's um, and it's gonna just good for ABC. You know that late night ABC slot. That's you know it's gonna be your 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 Alabama and LSU. You know whatever the big game is. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know Georgia and, and whoever Texas A and M. So that'll, that'll be that'll be exciting to that that late night ABC game. Um, you know will be be a lot of SEC. Yep, and so. the ACC if they can remain viable and relevant to i mean the the acc it's basically espn is going to be acc or sec acc some big 12 and some uh some pack 
whatever they're going to be called here. Because it is going to be interesting to see Houston and BYU in there. They are certainly adding relevance to the Big 12. If UCF and Cincinnati can keep things going, that's big as well. We'll see if the Big 12 can raid the Pac-12 of some of their teams. I We don't know at this point, but I, as I mentioned last week, I do think the fact that the Big 10 now is no longer going to be on ESPN, I think ESPN will try and keep the Pac-10, Pac-12 afloat and make, keep them relevant. They'll, they'll figure out some way because you're going to need to put those games on late night, uh, late, you know, the late afternoon slot is early, you know, Pacific time. But I do think that ESPN now will have a little more, uh, they'll have more money, they'll have more resources to try and keep the Pac-12 afloat until we get this super conference. You feel bad for like a team like Utah, which you know, joined the conference recently and they're maybe the best team in the conference. Yep. And they finally get here from the Mountain West and then the conference goes away or is not going to be nearly as competitive as it was. Yep. So, I mean, really anything outside of Utah and Oregon on the field, nothing else matters. Yep. You know, Stanford, a prestigious college, uh, they're not good at anything irrelevant. They win all these national titles every year. Women's basketball, they're very good at women's basketball. Freaking, yeah, yeah. In rowing and, and shit like that. <laughs> yes. But yep. Men's basketball and football, they're, yeah, they haven't been good for a while. Yep. So, you know, Oregon, Stanford, Washington going to the Big Ten. If they get Notre Dame and that, then boom, that, that'd be huge. Yep. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know why Notre Dame would do that. They're, they're fine the way they are. They have their own TV contract and TV money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're that, let's say you go to 20 teams, or what, what does the SEC do? Do they go? Do they add two more? Do they go after Miami and Clemson? Or do, do they – who else is there to go after? You know, is there another Big 12 school? Do they, do they want Oklahoma State? Yep. Baylor? Or, you know, so I think who, – who does the SEC go after? Who do they want? Is it Clemson, Miami? Who I mean, who else is out there? Because obviously anybody west is going to the Big Ten. We'll see what happens. What I mean, out of the two, out of the two conferences that recently have acquired two major programs, the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma, or the Big Ten with USC and UCLA, what conference got the better end of the deal with those programs? I'm going to say it's the SEC because Texas and Oklahoma have huge fan bases. USC is a very is very strong. They have fans all around the country, and when when they are good, you know, like back to the Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart days, when USC is good, it's better ultimately for college football. Even though a lot of us don't like USC, uh, sorry, Schottenkirk. UCLA doesn't have that, I guess, fervent fan base. Uh, they're they're more skeptical, but so yes, you get that media market which is big. But in terms of the the passion and the, the fan bases and stuff, I think the SEC has gotten that head and shoulders above the Big Ten just with the recent acquisitions. I'll go Big Ten because I guess the the, the contracts for one sure yeah much larger contracts yep. I think Texas is not going to make a bowl game like how the hell is Texas you know we'll see what their schedule is Mm -hmm. Texas isn't really all that competitive in the big 12 
How right. are they going to be competitive in the SEC? I mean, we saw Nebraska. Well, they do have Arch Manning coming in now. <laughs> right. Well, good for him. Uh, no, Nebraska did good in the Big Ten initially. They were okay. And they've fallen on some hard times. I look at Texas. They were, what, five and seven last year they didn't make a bowl game. Like, if you can't beat Iowa State and Kansas and West Virginia, mm-hmm. I mean, goddamn, I don't count 2020. Skip that year. 2019, they were 8 and 5. They made the Alamo Bowl. So. Which big deal, I mean, right? I mean, that's I'm interested not... to see what happens with the divisions, who these teams play. Are there two divisions? Are there four divisions? What do they make of this? But, boy, if Texas has to compete anywhere with an LSU or an Alabama or, you know, Arkansas is pretty pretty decent now in Old Miss and I don't think Texas is better than any of those teams. So I'm gonna take take the Big Ten because when USC is rolling, I would put them second to Alabama as far as you, you look at every college football team yep. and then when they are at their peak, Alabama right now is at their peak. Yep. Uh, Georgia's at their peak, Ohio State pretty high. Yep. You take every team and put them at their best, Miami, Clemson, whoever. I'd put Alabama at one, and I'd put UCL or USC at number two. Mm-hmm. The teams are rolling. You know, so I would say, I mean, USC to the Big Ten. What a, what a stunner. Yep. So I'll give it to the Big Ten for the, for the money. And if USC can become, you know, what they used to be 15 years ago, then – Yes, Oklahoma's been fine, you know, these past 10, 20 years. Texas isn't pretty bad, but USC, you know, I hate potential, but if Lincoln Raleigh can, can turn that around, I mean, yeah, they, they can be the kings of college football again. USC is like this five-star recruit, and they're like, I'm, I'll come here, but you have to bring my uh, little brother here. He's a, maybe a one-star recruit or a two-star. Uh, yeah. Come along with it. And that's what UCLA is. I think Texas and Oklahoma are both strong fours. But you're right. When USC is on top, it's it's lights out for college football. You're right. Yep. Uh, speaking of USC, though, in the Pac-12, I, like I said, I think that, you know when we started this conversation, like you know, what, 10, 15 minutes ago or whatever it was, I said that this might be the last year of the 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 conferences for the Pac-12, I th- the Mountain West is going away with it. I think you know the ACC is, the Pac-12 is. I think that some other conferences may be doing it as well. But uh, I would put the South Division of the, of the Pac-12. I would rival it with the the East, uh, the Big Ten East in uh, yep the, that division and the, the Do they SEC. Have divisions division. this year. The Pac-12. I'm looking at their page here, and ESPN is just all one big thing. I don't think they have divisions. So this if year. they if they did they ransack it? Because that's what I had asked on on Sunday night when we were doing well, the. I thought they were going to key. I guess I think they don't have it, so it is done. So it might be because the, the 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 Athlon Sports Magazine that I'm that I've yeah. got has divisions listed, but I I agree with you because I was like I don't know if they're doing divisions or not. if that's kind of the case, then. Then are we talking Utah against Oregon? Because Oregon, if the divisions remain the way they are, Oregon's clearly the best team in the North. I think Oregon State's going to be very good. They're they're probably the most stable team 
in the North Division. But then in the South, you have Utah, USC, and UCLA. I would put either US. Maybe it's Utah against USC in the Pac-12 championship game then. I mean, if you're going to take the two best teams. There are no divisions this year. That is, okay, so that is. And, yeah, Oregon was, uh, I guess Utah was the favorite, and Oregon was number two with uh, USC and UCLA at three and four. Oregon stayed at five. I mean, got it. Yeah. But I would. Bottom half of that conference is really bad. Yes. Yes, it is. But I really like the top three in in the south there. Uh, Utah got to the Rose Bowl for the first time last year. Uh, almost beat Ohio State. Uh, they lose Devin Lloyd. That's that's significant. But overall, this Utah Utes team is very good. And as you said, you hate potential. But, boy, with everything that USC has, you know, Caleb Williams coming in and you get what, the Addison guy from Pittsburgh, if, he, if that's gone through yet or not. Uh, USC yeah. has that potential to be really, really good. Ultimately, I think they're probably a year away from that 11-1, that 12-0 season. But USC is the team to watch for in this conference. As well, I, as I, I would point out with UCLA, just because UCLA's schedule is so freaking easy. I mean, their first three games are just against, you know, the ter- term I used to use, a. Uh, uh, Scrotes, but I'm not going to use that here. But Bowling Green, Alabama State, and South Alabama. Oh, wow. Wow, difficult. At Colorado. Colorado sucks. Washington. Their first major test is October 8th against Utah at home. And then they're at Oregon. Like, that's their toughest two-game stretch. And then they have cake the rest of the way until November 19th against USC. I mean, UCLA, if you're looking for that team to make a surprise run it could be ucla i don't think they're one of going to be one of the four best teams that could make the college football playoff but their schedule alone is gives you enough reason to say yeah that's 10 and 2 easily i think they go nine and three maybe eight and four i i look at usc and i picked them for the playoff last night and i feel a lot better about that today because I look at you, you want to look at an easy schedule, you look at USC schedule. Yes, yes. They have Utah and Notre Dame. I'll say you, I'll place UCLA in there as well. I think, you know, USC, if they can beat Utah, I think they go undefeated. I, yep, I could totally see that happening. I really could. I, I don't think they're going to lose to UCLA. I think they're going to beat Notre Dame at home. I mean, you look at that, I mean, they they're going to be six and zero. They're going to be six and zero going at. I mean, them in Utah. Yeah, that count me in on that. USC at Utah. I have that's not a freaking you know. But that's not wherever that's going to be at Fox or wherever. That should be your. That is your your college game day game of the week. I have I have USC at ten and two with losses at Utah and at UCLA. I have UCLA at ten and two with losses at. Oregon and I gave him some. Uh, I gave him a uh, what the hell kind of game losing at Arizona State and Utah. I have eleven and one losing at UCLA. I think you know with if we're looking at Utah USC and if both those teams have only one loss going into that championship game, I'm going to say this right now: the winner of that game goes to the college football playoff. If both teams go into that game eleven and one, whichever team wins makes it to the college football playoff. I think it's a slam dunk. One loss, they'll be right there. Yep. That's absolutely. And then the SEC, of course, it's Alabama's 
to lose Georgia, defending national champions. Very, very good. Uh, but all the pieces that they have to replace, especially on defense, it's not rebuild, it's retooling. And Georgia's schedule is, as I mentioned earlier, so easy. So, like, after Oregon, they play Samford. South Carolina, I'm curious to see what Spencer Rattler is going to show uh, up for South Carolina this year. South Carolina could be interesting. But Auburn at home, Vanderbilt at home, Florida neutral site game, whatever. Tennessee at home. That's the key, I think. They have that three-game stretch in November. Tennessee at home, then at Mississippi State and at Kentucky. If Georgia can get through that stretch 3-0, I think Georgia will be undefeated going into the col- into the SEC championship game. And then that would make them... Uh, that would make them a college uh, a playoff team because even with one loss to Alabama, I think they still get in. They lose one of those three games, though, they're done. And I think they do lose one of those three, and I have it being to Kentucky, your Kentucky Wildcats. My Wildcats. I, I seem like it, we, we always talk about it, but it never gets brought up how easy these SEC teams, how easy their schedules are. The East especially this is, year. And especially the East. And part of it is, if you're Alabama, you don't have to play Alabama. So that helps. Yeah, yeah. All you have to play Alabama. If you're Georgia, you don't have to play Georgia, and you never play Alabama. You'll play them once every 10 years mm-hmm. in the regular season. So that does help with the schedule. Uh, but you look at Alabama, you know, outside of Texas A&M, there's nothing there that, that really uh, screams too difficult to me. Right. So, you know. Yeah, these SEC teams, especially the teams at the top, their their schedules uh, not all that difficult. No, absolutely not. And for like like a team like Kentucky, if they could beat Florida right away that week two, that September tenth, they beat Florida. Kentucky's got a pretty nice run. I mean, they're at Ole Miss. I suppose that's kind of difficult here. They're at Tennessee, but. You know, the final three games at home, again, I'm just looking at that Georgia game. I think Kentucky has a great chance to beat uh, Georgia this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, people like their quarterback, so we'll see. We'll see about Kentucky. You know, Florida, see what their new coach does. You know, Florida, for some reason, can't get a quarterback anymore. Um, Who's the guy? Kyle Trask. I liked him a couple years ago. Um, But they, they just struggle at quarterback. So much, it seems like. So, I don't know why it's so difficult to get a quarterback for. I Here's something here for Auburn. Auburn's got their first five games at home. Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State, Missouri, and LSU. If they lose one of those games, they are not going to be bowl. They're, they're not going to bowl game this year. Because their back half of the schedule is brutal. October 8th at Georgia. October 15th at Ole Miss. Those are two losses right there. October 29th, after a bye, they're home to Arkansas. Okay, that's potentially winnable, but I think Arkansas is ultimately a better team. November 5th at Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's uh, maybe a better team than Auburn, but that's a toss-up. Texas A&M at home? No, thanks. I'll take A&M. Western Kentucky, November 19th, and then November 26th at Alabama. So there's one win in there, and that's most likely Western Kentucky. Maybe they can get by Arkansas or Mississippi State, but it's far from a guarantee. So if they don't go 5-0 and in that first five-game stretch of the season when they don't have to leave the confines of Auburn uh, or Jordan-Hare Stadium, they're not making a bowl game, I don't think. You know, I think Marcus has the, with the under a 5.5. 
uh, for Auburn. So you're looking at their coach potentially getting fired for some reason. He wasn't fired in the offseason. Yeah, Auburn, um, disappointing. They get rid of Gus Melzahn, and I don't really know if that was really the issue with no. him. Nope, I don't think so either. I, and, and I know, like, you can – you could be really good coaches anywhere in the country, but just the—I don't know if it's the philosophy, but just the—it's just a different phenomenon and experience going from Boise State. And Boise State's been a very good program for many, many years, going back to their Fiesta Bowl uh, win over Oklahoma. Ian Johnson, you, you know the everything there, Statue of Liberty play and and whatnot, the hook and ladder. Uh, but going from Boise. Idaho to uh, to Auburn, Alabama. Maybe the the political spectrum doesn't change much, but boy, the 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 tenacity and the scrutiny does. The recruiting does. It's so much more difficult in the SEC. You got to get these good players, and I just don't think that that sort of. I, I just don't think moving from Boise to Auburn is is a good step. Uh, for anyone, apart from your paycheck. Yeah, you, you, you go see what you can do, but yeah, he may not be long enough. Nope. So that's uh, kind of a brief run-through of those conferences. Next week we will go through our uh, championship games for all the major conferences. We'll go. We'll pick the college football playoff teams. We'll pick our Heisman Trophy winner, and we'll go through uh, the New Year's Six games, the big games that matter in the college football Playoffs and we'll pick our national champion. So that will be next week. Is there anything else college football related we need to get to uh, right now? I'm kind of, kind of going through the schedule here and I'm trying to figure out every week where college game day is going to be at. Uh, week eight, nothing sticks out for week eight. So I don't know what they're going to do that week. There's always a surprise though. At sure. some point. Uh, yeah, let's take a look here. Well, week, week two or next week, are they going to be at Texas, Alabama? Or is that that's week two? Yeah, that is. I don't know. I, I honestly don't. I wouldn't. I think so. But, you know, with Fox having that game, of course, the Fox pregame show will be there. That hasn't stopped them in the past from kind of collaborating, you know, going there. Maybe Tennessee Pittsburgh. That's kind yeah, of been yeah. that's kind of an intriguing game because Tennessee should be. I don't. I don't. I don't like Texas. They're not very good. But Texas, Alabama, they don't play it's, very often. It's also important to note that I believe this will be the U.S. Open week, uh, or like the championship. So Chris Fowler won't be calling the game with Herbie. It will be Reese Davis. So wherever. College game day goes. That's where those two guys will be calling the game more than likely. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm not too excited about the first week because for me, there's not much there. You just hope no, for an upset somewhere. The upset's potential is there. There. The- I mean, Alabama, Texas is week two. Um, or the Georgia, Oregon week. The you know next weekend. I mean, that doesn't do anything for me. Right. I don't see Oregon scoring fucking 14 points in that one. So, I mean, Utah and Florida, I'm interested in that. I get a good win for Utah. And again, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Does, I mean, Ohio State's a 15-point favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll have good games, but the early, early slate doesn't do much for me. So, they, they, they better be at Texas, Alabama week two. 
Uh, week three is Miami and A&M. Yep. Uh, week four, Wisconsin and Ohio State. Not a whole lot there. Uh, week five, NC State and Clemson. That's a big one. Uh, week six, maybe the game of the year, A&M and Alabama. Yep. Yep, especially with everything that's gone on in the off season. And then week uh, week seven would be USC at Utah. Yep. And other than that, week eight, and nothing sticks out right now, but that's two months away. So, maybe if you know, we'll see, we'll see where they go. And I looked at the FCS schedule. SCSU plays North Dakota that week, so it's not going to be that. Nope. Uh, just looking. Yeah, it's a pretty. Pretty lame uh, week, week eight. So that might be a good week to go somewhere out of the ordinary. Yep, yep. I would I would agree with that. I wonder when when's that uh, that BYU Notre Dame game? Uh, whenever that game is, that would be my guess where game day is going to be. Well, so let's see. Is that week ten? Uh, let's see. Nope, that's uh oh that week ten they'll have Clemson Notre Dame on ABC, so that's going to be um that's college that's got college game day written all over it. And then where do we got here? We'll see if BYU if y'all they're probably not gonna get any games if they don't win those first three. So. Right. Right. So we'll see. It'll be it'll be very intriguing. But yeah, the, the college football season week zero is this week. Uh, you got Nebraska Northwestern from Dublin, which makes zero sense whatsoever. That's on the only game I care about. I like. And anyway, yeah, did you have Notre Dame a couple of years ago open up in Ireland? That made sense. Yep. Yep. I think they have Notre Dame and Navy opening up there next year. Too. That makes sense. Um. I am excited for Vanderbilt in Hawaii. Go, go Vanderbilt! You got to get your win somewhere. Enjoy your trip. Enjoy the vacation and beat Hawaii. I don't think they will. I think they will. Hawaii's got. Hawaii's had a bad off season. Hawaii has for sure. So, um, yeah. So that's that. College football. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk more. Like we said, we'll make our predictions for everything next week. Uh, Let's go to the baseball diamond here, kind of wrap things up. Uh, how do you explain the Twins' offense other than it's abysmal right now? It, how do you lose two games to the Rangers? I know they're completing the four-game series on Monday, but why? It's just bad. Like I don't. I just. I. I don't know. I have zero faith in the Twins right now to be able to to break through here. I know they're only what a game and a half back of the of the Guardians, but. This offense should not be struggling this badly. No, they shouldn't. They just got too many guys who can't hit the ball. Luis Arise is leading baseball on average. He is not one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, Byron Buxton, um, hitting 222. People don't like batting average. You know, on base percentage makes more sense than slugging. But. It would help if you could hit the goddamn ball. Yep. The, whole, the, whole, the rookie, Jose Miranda, has been great. He's yes. at 284 after a start. Yep. Carlos Correa, 266. But Gio Urshela, 266. 
Now, Jorge Polanco's hitting 237. Max Kepler's hitting 226. And that's after, like, he was 0 for 29 to start the month. I mean, he hasn't yeah. done much at all. You don't expect Gary Sanchez. He's going to hit in the low 200s because that's just what he does. He's hitting 218. It's a 250 team batting average with uh, with a guy who's probably going to lead baseball on average. So a 250 batting average, but Jose Miranda leading them in average outside of Luis Arise, and he's nearly 50 points behind the batting leader. Mm-hmm. So the Twins really only have four regulars who bat over 240. So you just – and they're not hitting a ton of home runs. They got 144. They got about you know, a little over one per game. So it's just, you know, Carlos Correa, 39 RBIs. People don't like RBIs, but I hope to shit you could have more than, you know, $1 million per RBI on the season here right. if you get to late August. Yeah. It just, you know, they've got the potential there, but potential isn't in a goddamn thing when you can't hit. So – yeah, pitching's been good lately. Bullpen's been really good. Yep. Uh, I seven on the other day, but Tyler Molly went on the DL, so I think that's going to be a quick stint. But if they can get healthy, I still think they win this division. I guess three three games is my, kind of my wild number, my, my, my magic number. If it's any more than three games, then I'm going to get concerned. But as long as they're within two or three games, I just can't get too concerned because – you know, I if know. they win, they'll be within a game today, and that's, you know, it's, within a game, but it's one game. So It just seems uh, like when the hitting... Not, not concerned about Chicago anymore. They lost to yep. Kansas City today, but, yeah, Guardians are going to have to beat them. They can play eight eight times the rest of the way. Uh, you're going to win five of those. So. Yep, and you, and you just look back to those games that they squandered, those big leads late that's in those games. Right now, when leading by a half game or... Being up by five. Uh, you know, they, they, they've got Houston this week. I think that's three automatic losses. Mm-hmm. So, and they've got the Yankees for four. So, considering they're probably going to go no better than two and five in that stretch. Yep. And probably worse. You need to play very good. You've got San Francisco. You've got Boston. You've got the division left. So That's why they yeah. needed to go six and one in this homestand. And that it's, and it's just it's disappointing to see that. That hasn't happened yet. The Yankees are really struggling right now. I've asked if there was cause for concern here. At this point, I think there is. I mean, they, they got off to such a torrid pace, and it, they've just fallen flat. The pitching isn't good. Like Garrett Cole's not pitching good. Apart from Aaron Judge, no one's really doing much. Uh, the Blue Jays were able to go into the Bronx and take two out of three. The Blue Jays kind of keep ebbing and flowing throughout the the year who knows what uh, this AL East is just so damn difficult to handicap because once you think Baltimore's out of it here they come rallying up again I mean so you can't take anything for out of them for granted it's just it's very difficult I like New York it's is still going to win this division they're eight games up on both the Rays and the Jays but I would be concerned about this going into the playoffs you know the Astros uh, playing really good. Seattle's been really good. This is going to be a very interesting AL playoff because I want I the while the Yankees should be the favorites outside of the Astros, like any one of those AL East teams could beat the Yankees on a given night or given series. I think the Astros are a huge favorite in the American League. Because of the pitching? And 
Rangers good. Everybody's good. They've been good for a long time. They continue to be good. What they've, they've made the ALCS, I don't know how many times in a row. And now they're going to, you know, they've got the best record now in the American League. So it's, they're just always there. I don't know, we just don't, oh, it's, the, it's the World Series cheating thing. And and the more I think about it, the more ridiculous I think it is, the cheating thing, since there's so many examples throughout the history of baseball of cheating. Mm-hmm. And God forbid they, you know, they, they cheated. And it's like, all right, it has happened many, like, just so many times. You wish they didn't do it, but it, but it happens so often. You had the, the pine tar with the pitchers a year ago. That was a thing. You know, and that, that's, that's all across baseball. So I don't give a shit about the, the Astros and their fucking garbage can shit. They, they made the, they made the American League Championship game five years in a row. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. They made, they made the World Series three of the past five years, and it's just like you know, they should be a huge favorite. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get to the World Series. Uh, in the NL, the Mets are four games up on the Braves. Braves are playing good baseball, though. Uh, eight and two in their last ten. The Cardinals have won seven in a row. The Cardinals are looking good. The Brewers are not. Uh, Dodgers still the overwhelming favorites, but uh, Cardinals and the Braves are, I think, uh, closing in uh, pretty hot here. I would take the Braves over the Cardinals, but again, it's awfully impressive what the Cardinals are doing, and the Brewers are just bad right now. I'm not picking the Dodgers. I refuse to pick the Dodgers. They can win 120 games. I'm not picking the Dodgers. I'll take the I'll take the Braves or the Mets. Yeah, Mets or Braves. Cardinals are looking good. Uh, they've been really good. Yeah, Mets or Braves. I think it comes down to those two teams. You know, Mets and Braves. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, yep. Padres, Phillies, Milwaukee. This wild card Mets. But I think it comes down to Atlanta and the Mets and. Unfortunately, I think that might be a, a you know a first round playoff series, a divisional round playoff series, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you, if things go, if there's no upsets, you could have Mets, Braves, and then Cardinals, Dodgers. I'll take the Cardinals. They almost beat them last year when they were barely over 500 and won the wild card. No, no, Dodgers, no, no. Do you have a hitter? In... All right, I like it. Uh, do you have a hitter and pitcher of the week? Oh shit! Um, hitter and pitcher of the week. Ooh, not, no, no, I don't. No, okay. I don't. Okay. Well, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll look at that next. Okay. Week. Have I mentioned uh, check the list there? Have I mentioned Felix Bautista? Uh, you have not. I think he, he's basically the new closer for Baltimore once they traded uh, Lopez to the Twins. Okay. Bautista, this is his first year. He is 27 years old from the Dominican Republic, so he's older. This is his first year. He has an ERA of 1.73. It's pretty damn good. In 53 innings. So he's been really good. Felix Bautista, his first year, a 27-year-old rookie for the, the Orioles. So that is my... Pitcher of the week. Do we have any hitters? Um, 
hitters. Um, I try to find guys that are you know, not common guys, but yep. I, I would say Julio Rodriguez from Seattle is a great rookie, and he had a you know a slow first month, but he's done great ever since. And you know he, he did well in the home run derby. Um, and a lot of the fantasy baseball, fantasy dynasty rankings, you see this guy maybe at number one in some of them. So he um, he's going to have 20 home runs this year. He's got 19 right now. He's got 23 steals. Um, this is a exceptional rookie class in baseball this year, especially on the hitting side. Some some years go by where not many rookies make noise. There are multiple, maybe future MVPs, definitely all-stars uh, with this rookie class. I think Julio Rodriguez is the best of them. Jose Miranda uh, being one of them, right? Jose Miranda, I think, is going to be an all-star. Uh, Adley Rushman, the catcher for Baltimore. Uh, he is uh, hes very good. He got called up. He's, he's 24 years Boy, old. Baltimore so. is so stacked. And, they are stacked for the future. Baltimore's good. They got Spencer Strider, who I mentioned last week. He's a rookie for the Braves on the pitching side. So uh, an excellent year for rookies. I think Julio Rodriguez is the best of the bunch. I mean, he's an MVP type of guy. So I'll mention him, not that he's unknown. He should win rookie of the year. I would hope to hell. Uh, but I think he's going to be, uh, be very good. Very good. So those are your hitters and pitchers of the week. Julio Rodriguez, the hitter for Seattle. Felix Bautista, the pitcher for Baltimore. Anything else baseball-related we need to get to or anything else in general that we haven't gotten to yet? Not a lot of football. So got a busy weekend this weekend. Then we got Labor Day coming up. And then I usually don't enjoy calling football games as much as the other sports. But I did enjoy... The football game this past week. It was raining early on. It rained a half hour before the game. And score was 20 12. It was, a, it was an all right game. So I usually don't care about football as much as the other. You know, I prefer baseball. I like doing that. I you know volleyball's next week. And mm-hmm. I enjoy basketball. But football's here. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's okay. Well, I wish you luck on the season. Good luck to the Mitchell Colonels. Uh, good luck with the call on Friday and every call that you have here throughout the season. And uh, have a you know, enjoy whatever college football you watch this weekend, if you watch any at all. And we will talk to you next week, my friend. All right, have a good week. We'll see you. Sounds good. Thank you, Travis. Travis Krenz joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time as always. Great stuff there. A lot of college football. With it, it's going to continue here because we have Charlie Hildebrand coming up next to talk about the ACC and some of these other uh, little conferences, ACC and independents as well. Uh, and I think we're both on the same train of thought with at least one of these teams. So we'll get to that. But you can find this podcast available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search a sports block. Follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Facebook Nathan Stack and the link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Travis Krenz on Twitter at Travis Krenz. Coming up next though, more college football talk. The final, I guess, preview portion of our um, 
of our season preview here with Charlie Hildebrand uh, before we get into all of our picks next week. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. <laughs>